It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. It is the Week 14 Matchup Podcast here at FantasyPoints.com. I'm John Hanson, Greg Cosell in the film room all week. Got a ton of film he's gone over already here, recording this on Wednesday night, December 7th. And if you are new to this little podcast here, we have a ton of them on our stream here at FantasyPoints.com. But this is just a little bit of a taste of the stuff we get from Greg Cosell, and we do the live stream every Thursday night with me, Greg, and Adam Kaplan, get the inside information, injury updates with from Mr. C, and we cover all the matchups in depth. Greg, I see your notes here. Um, Actually, John, I really this- didn't watch it. I really didn't watch any of that stuff. I just typed out 25 pages. You know, I, I made it all up. Yeah, you know, you call it the way you see it, and if you don't right, see right. it, you make it up. <laughs> Right, exactly. I just I just felt like typing out 25 pages that I just felt like making up, you know? Yep, yep. You ever, you're familiar with that old line? That's an old George Carlin line. He had a, um, you know, he did the hippy-dippy weatherman, but he also oh, had... Yeah, no, no, I'm a big Carlin fan, so yes. Yeah, he also had the fake sports guy, Biff Barf. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, no. That, yeah. that was his tagline. I call him the way I see him, and if I don't see him, I make him up. <laughs> I call him anyway, exactly, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well... Yeah. With that uh, said here, um, we did actually, uh, you know, see it. Um, We do watch the games and you watch the tape. So let's get into it here. Um, We'll start with the Patriots because they're playing, uh, you know, just very up and down football right now. And I don't know what to think. Uh, They are playing on Monday night. But what did you see out of the offense? I mean, you saw them the week before where everything seemed to be going swimmingly you know, yeah. against a zone-based D, another zone-based D last week, and it didn't go as well. No, and I'm sure there's many reasons that we don't know, John, because we're not there. And obviously there was a lot of talk before the season and through the season about the changing nature of the offense from Josh McDaniels to Matt Patricia and whatever that means. We can't answer that question. Um, all I can answer is what I see on tape. And it's been very up and down both for the offense as a whole and for Mac Jones. Um, and three weeks ago, we spoke about Jones not playing particularly well. And then he had that game two weeks ago where he played with sort of the refined sense of timing and rhythm that we come to expect from Mac Jones based on the kind of quarterback he is. And then last week it wasn't there. Um, Mm. and in fact, that play that was intentional grounding, that was almost a safety, you know, that play was in some, some ways such a surprise to me because that was just such a basic play. Um, it was slant flat to the boundary and he had the slant to Parker. That's, that's the play. And he didn't throw it. And that Mm. was kind of very representative of the game. He just did not play particularly well. So I don't envy you now trying to figure out what this offense and what Mac Jones is going to look like in their next game, because it seems so up and down to me. And the run game has been, as you know, um, both inconsistent in terms of both volume and production. You're not necessarily agreeing with Mac Jones, you know, caught, you know, didn't, you don't need to be an expert lip reader to see what he was saying, basically run or throw the effing ball. Our running game stinks. Well, we, we can't confirm that the running game stinks, but right. 
but the bottom line is, and, and, and I don't disagree with that as a general thought, just purely based yeah. on tape study. Yeah. But he himself did not play well. He left right. some throws on the field that he must turn loose. Um, he did not play particularly well. Now, again, that's heat of the moment stuff. We don't need to respond to that. But, you know, I think he has to play better. And look, this is the offense. Uh, whether it's the right one, the wrong one, I can't speak to that. None of us can really speak to that unless we're there. But within the context of this offense, he's not playing at a high level on any kind of consistent basis. Yeah, no question about it. This week, I'd say it's a beatable matchup. But the, you know, the other problem maybe th- there's no staples, and you know what do I know? But you know, it would be nice for a young quarterback to have a guy, you know, a staple. Yeah, yeah. they got none of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's, it's and, a tough situation, it's a surprisingly tough situation, given that it's a Bill Belichick team. But that's that's the reality. That's what the tape states. It is a beautiful matchup for Hunter Henry, though. Uh, the Cardinals have been greatly struggling against tight end. So yeah. we're, we're, we're all in on that. But, yeah, Ramondre is at three point seven yards a carry the last four weeks. And that's uh, been pretty much par for the course. And we'll see about Damian Harris. I feel like, you know, they could use Damian Harris. He's got a little bit more burst than <laughs> Ramondre. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, he gets hurt every year, which is a shame because I, I, I like the skill set a lot. Um, they do too, obviously, because when he's healthy, he's kind of the number one guy. So they obviously like the skill set too. So we'll see what happens. I think uh, Patriots traditionally here vulnerable to running quarterbacks. So Kyler this week, I think, is uh, probably looking pretty good. Also looking pretty good last week, James Cook of the Buffalo Bills. You started talking about this about a month ago. Yeah. That, you know, maybe we're seeing um, – a little bit of, you know, an edict maybe or an inclination to get this kid going, and it kind of all came to fruition last week. Did you get the sense watching the tape that he was kind of like their lead back? I think it's moving somewhat in that direction. Look, I think they have an affinity for Singletary because he's been there as they built up to become a really good team, Um, and he's a solid player. Um, but Cook gives you more juice. The thing that stood out to me last week is they had 13 snaps of, with the pony package, meaning two tailbacks. 12 of those 13 had Cook and Hines. Only one yeah. of them had Singletary and Hines. Uh, so, you know, I think Cook, and again, I just happened to see some of this stuff this week. Normally, I don't hear a lot of this. You probably see more of it than I do. But hearing Ken Dorsey talk and seeing, the, you know, others talk, I'm sensing that they feel Cook now, as he's gained a little more experience in his rookie season, is, you know, not making the mistakes that he did earlier in the year. And he just gives you more. Now, keep in, keep one thing in mind. I don't know how this will play out, but they're playing a division opponent, okay? Mm-hmm. A team they lost to four weeks ago at a time when Cook was not playing as much and Hines was not a factor. So now they've had 10 days, John, 10 days. So it would not surprise me to see them put in more things that involve Cook and Hines this week. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what they've been looking for. Explosiveness in the backfield. You know, Singletary, a little bit more of a lateral grinder type guy, not necessarily explosive. And James Cook uh, look looks really good. Uh, but again, you know, long term, can he be, I guess, the old you know, designations we go with 
primary i guess he, he can be a primary back not a not a foundation you know 250 plus carry guy but you know singletary's been like 220 i mean can right. cook be a I 220 think, guy i think that's what they see their offense as in other words yeah even when singletary what was quote unquote running the ball what was he getting 13 14 carries a week maybe 15 sure. a yep. big number was 17 i think they feel cook can be that look what he had last week he had 14 carries yeah, yeah. Actually, Singletary's never even hit 200 carries, which surprised me a little bit. 188 was the high there in 2021. Um, otherwise, you know, boy, you watch the passing game, and look, I was a big Gabe Davis guy this year. I definitely oversold the guy. I think he's not playing nearly as well as he's capable of, but, I mean, at this point, he's not reliable enough i mean you watch the offense it's just steph diggs is the only reliable dude here for josh allen well on the other thing too about the bills and we saw this thanksgiving day when they had that long drive to to go ahead late in the fourth quarter uh before the lions tied it up with the field goal um they're they're becoming a little more methodical in how they yeah, want to yeah, play true right yeah they had the 15-play, 96-yard drive from the third quarter into the fourth quarter that took almost nine minutes off the clock. This, you know, in their last game, and that had that featured eight runs and seven called passes. So, you know, look, do they have it in their back pocket whenever they feel they're going to have to throw the ball because of Josh Allen and obviously Diggs? And yes, but I think they they want to move more in this direction because it makes them more complete and ultimately more difficult to defend. That's a great observation because you can really see it, um, you know, on a week to week basis because Gabe Davis has kind of been obviously their shot play guy and they're just not taking as many of those shots. No, and, and, and look, there might be a game that demands that. And, and you know, with Josh, who can make any throw. Yes, you can do that. But, you know, they seem to be moving in this direction, which tells you that they want to move in this direction. Yeah. And this week, though, um, other Tough than Diggs. Tough defense. Yeah, man. Like, what what is it about these Jets here? They just they just play their sides, and they they're three good corners. Like they're they're just always on the receivers. These guys. Yeah, they're good corners. But but again, we we're now going into week fourteen. Correct. Yeah. So if you use thirteen weeks as a guide, and that's all we have on tape, then Gardner will not match up to Diggs. He lined yeah. up over him twice in the first matchup, and that was because Diggs went in motion. Right. So oh, yeah. the people who are saying, oh, I can't wait for the Gardner-Diggs matchup, the Jets would have to step outside of everything they've done through 13 weeks in order to do that. Yeah, that's just a little it, – it's a little lazy, I guess. Um, we're not saying that here. No, no, um, but I'm just you know just yeah. sort of the talking point because I see that on social media all the time. Right. Can't wait for the Gardner-Diggs matchup. Look, Greg, I'm always looking for it, though. I will say, look, I I hear you. I'm, But I am looking for it. According to our guy, Wes Huber, I did get that right. Was it two weeks ago with uh, Christian Kirk and Marlon Humphrey? Apparently, Humphrey did travel with him. So I am looking for that. Well, he didn't uh, travel but, with him, just so you're clear. Right. Um, he lined up. He played in the slot, okay? Right. So, you know, and that's where Kirk. Kirk has, as you know, Kirk has more slot. Uh, oh yeah for sure for sure so Humphrey played in the slot so right. he didn't travel with him right, he was right. the slot corner but right. they played zone probably on 95 percent of their defensive snaps I think maybe what it is is 
when they want him, they have maybe they will at times travel against a top outside guy, which leaves Kirk, you know, which leaves the slot. Whatever, we're splitting hairs right, here. We're but splitting, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, no, yeah. I'm just telling you what the film shows. Gotcha, gotcha. But you know, we are as fantasy people. Look, we'll we'll explore various possibilities. We're we're trying to get the answer to the test before, and it's very difficult. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to take take some shots, some educated guesses. Let's move on here to the Eagles' offense, and boy, how that must have been a very demoralizing loss for the Titans, above and beyond the AJ Brown stuff, because of the, I guess, the domination in the trenches on both sides. Greg. Well, that's what happened. You know. It's interesting. We I've talked for a number of years, only because I learned it from Bill Walsh, someone a lot smarter than I am, that to be a great offense, that you're, and I've said this to you over the years, yeah, that your offense, excuse me, your run game and your pass game need to be able to work independently from one another in any given game plan approach or in any given game as it plays out. Sure. And we've sure. seen that with the Eagles. Two weeks ago, they ran the ball for 350 yards. Last week, they looked at this defense and said, hey, you know what? The strength of that defense for Tennessee is their front. Right. The, the, the weakness is on the back end. So, you know what? We're going to come out and throw the football. And that's what they did. And Hurts threw for 380 one week after they ran for 350. So, but the key to everything they did on the offensive side, and it's just unheard of in the NFL, you watch that tape, and they just stoned that pass rush. Nobody mm. got near Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Yeah, no question. And it they are they are taking full advantage of this uh pristine protection as well, right? I mean, are they are they finding like cheat codes to the, you know, the two deep safeties and the split safeties and all that with AJ Brown and and Devontae Smith? Well, one of the things that they're they've done uh and they they did it early in the year, but they've started to do it more and more and I think it becomes a a comfort confidence thing is um and and the Bengals have been doing it under Joe Burrow is when they get one on one outside the numbers okay Brown mm-hmm. Smith Hertz is taking those throws um and you know you have to feel good about making those throws because normally receivers are not wide open when you make those throws you know they have to be really good throws because they're further down the field and you and you have to feel good that your receiver will make the catch but they've been doing that in recent weeks Look, he hit Quez Watkins against Green Bay a few weeks ago against Rasul Douglas uh, down the field on a back shoulder vertical. Um, We've seen him take shots to Brown. They take shots to Smith. This offense is becoming very aggressive when they see one-on-one outside the numbers. Yeah, that's good coaching, and it's smart. When when you have A.J. Brown, that compared to last year, that gives you confidence to play that way, I would imagine. You know, I mean – he makes well, especially those... when you have some success, then you really feel like you just want to keep doing that. Yeah. Well, you got the Giants this week and divisional opponent, new scheme there, new system. But first meeting for the year. What have you seen out of the uh, Giants defense lately? I see some of their younger players like Ojalare, um, and, of course, uh, Thibodeau, the number one pick, starting to seemingly come on a little bit. Yeah, Thibodeau, I don't notice very often on tape. Um, Ojolari jumped off the film this week. Um, the Giants are an interesting defense because it's Wink Martindale. So there's two things we know with Wink Martindale that have played out this year for the Giants. Number one, they play a lot of man coverage. And number two, they blitz a lot. And what they do is they blitz from sub-defenses. So 
Just this past week, the Giants played 21 snaps, John, with seven defensive backs on the field. That's Hmm. unheard of. It's the second time this season they did that, too. So they like to get speed on the field. Martindale is an absolute master at overload pressure, showing an overload, let's say, from one side, dictating that the protection react to that look, and then bringing pressure from the other side. They make it challenging for the offense. So I'm really curious to see this matchup because Martindale is so good at this. He's he's one of the masters in the game at that kind of thing. Well, last week you, you mentioned the approach. Miles Sanders came up small. Uh, I would fully expect a lot of Miles Sanders. I mean, basically, Greg, and maybe a little more Kenny Gainwell, right? Yeah, I mean, Sanders only came up small because they chose to throw the football. Yeah, yeah. But this could be like a 24 carry game where he goes for a buck 30. Um, it could be. I mean, look, obviously Robinson this past week against the Giants had 21 and close to 100. The, the, the Eagles may feel this is a week they can run the ball. It's a really good matchup because the commander's D line is playing at a really high level right now. And obviously the Eagles have one of the better O lines in the league. So it, it'll be. It'll be very interesting. I almost wish I could be a fly on the wall in the Eagles' offices and in their meeting rooms because I'd love to know how they see the best way to attack this this uh, Giants defense. Well, most teams are running it. Um, they're giving up 29 running back carries a game the, just the last four weeks. That's a pretty big number. Uh, yeah. And part of the reason why we've got I've got Miles with 18 carries here for 88. And keep and in it mind that's be the case. You know, yeah. the nice thing about the Eagles is they have been effective, you know, moving the ball when they've thrown it and when they've run it. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, the saw of the giant D. Um, how how's Brian Robinson look? I, I feel pretty darn good about how he's looked over the last two or three games here. You know, Gibson, it's a nice little one-two punch, really. Um, but Robinson... Again, I think their ascension kind of coincides with Robinson's emergence. Well, this is the way they want to play. Um, Look, you have to give all credit to Taylor Heineke. He's actually played well. And I've said this on the matchup show. I kind of like watching Taylor Heineke. I know what he is, but I kind of like watching him. You know, he's an aggressive thrower. Um, He turns it loose. Every once in a while, he turns loose a head scratcher. But I kind of like watching him because he's aggressive, and I like that. But Brian Robinson has started to get into a little bit of a groove. He's a sustaining runner. You know, he's not necessarily going to be a big play back, but, you know, I think he was 21 for 96 this past week. I think that's the way they'd like to play. So I think that's going to continue unless, you know, a a game plays out where they're down, you know, three scores in the second quarter. But their defense is playing well enough now that that's not likely to happen. But, no, Robinson is starting to become – what I thought he could become when I watched his, his tape at Alabama, the kind of back that, you know, it, it always seems like he gets five yards. I think he's that yeah. kind of back. You know, maybe it's the uniform. He's a little more angular angular than I thought. I mean, am I crazy? Um, no, maybe... but he is 227, so it's, yes. He doesn't look, he's, he's built in a very kind of good way because he almost looks angular, but he's, he's big. Yeah, yeah. Is he, is he upright at all? It's a, a little, little bit at times. A little yeah. bit, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the third-round pick. I mean, we're not talking – this guy's not perfect. But, you know, speaking of uh, running back picks, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, 
I get it. I mean, the guy's flashy as hell, but you know, I've never been a huge Barkley person. And you know, I, I saw your notes. Yep. He is a little big play dependent, right? He sure is. You know, and that's I, why I, I've I never thought, been a big I thought, guy. I thought long and hard about that. And I've thought this way for a while watching him. I mean, at, just so if somebody's listening to this for the first time, John, just I want to let them know that everything I say stems from tape study. You know, I, this is not a take. Um, and I watch Barkley on tape and I've been watching him since Penn State, by the way. Um, yeah. So, you know, to me, and I, this is what I typed in my notes, which you probably saw. I said, despite his size and weight room strength, is not an efficient confined space runner. That yeah. limits him from being a consistent, sustaining runner who gets the hard yards. And yep. that's what the tape shows. You know, he'll make a big special run. And, and if he does, he'll gain 125 yards or 130 yards. But this was a very odd game for the Giants, John, because they were up by seven late in the third quarter. And they could not put that game away running the football. Yeah, it's not that's not his deal. I mean, they they no. need to get a bigger guy in in tandem with him, basically. You know, yeah, like they, a Michael Turner guy, you know, behind LT. And you would think Barkley would be that guy given like I said his size right. and strength, but he doesn't really run like that. Right, right. Well, it, it's it, maybe a little like Brian Robinson. He's just so much more efficient with his interior inside zone carries, let's you know, say. I'll give you a great example, and, and we could jump to this team if you want because we do this just kind of as, hey, whatever we talk about. I'll give you a great example of a guy that I watched today and have watched all year, and he is the antithesis of Barkley, and that's Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Josh Jacobs yeah. is so much fun to watch. The way he runs inside yeah. is just – it's beautiful to watch. I mean, this guy is such a – a hard, and I, I made that point in my notes, he runs with patience, vision, he finds running lanes, he's naturally powerful, he has contact balance, he's got finishing traits, um, he's got sudden lateral quickness and change yeah, of direction. really he does. He navigates through traffic and bodies. I mean, you know, that's, that's what Jacobs is. And that's why a lot of runs, I watched the tape this week, and there were a lot of runs where it looked like, oh, that's a two-yard gain, and he gets 11 yards. Yeah. I feel like that old line doing pretty pretty well too. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, you know, uh, the one thing I noticed, so I did some research, was they run a lot out of twenty one personnel. They play with the fullback a lot because they right. brought Jakob Johnson, McDaniel's brought him from New England to Las Vegas, and Jacobs has far and away the most carries in the NFL out of twenty one personnel. Eighty four rushes with a fullback, and he's averaging six yards a rush. Think about this: thirty five percent of his runs this year have come out of 21 personnel. I wonder if that was the plan going into the season with Waller and Hunter Renfro, though. I don't know. Yeah. Hard to know because they've both been out. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the Raider passing game, I'm sure you observed that. It, Boy, it's it's all about Devontae Adams now. Um, any anything. Here's what I thought. Sorry to interrupt. You know, even though Carr's numbers weren't, you know, phenomenal, I thought he played one of the better games that I've seen recently. I thought he was really patient in the pocket. I thought that he stayed poised when there were people around him. I thought this was a really good game for him. He made throws with people around him. Yeah. Well, uh, I was into Carr this year, and unfortunately I had to uh, <clears throat> I had to apologize because my three – 
I was into Burrow, Hertz, and Carr. So overall, it was good, but I had to apologize for Carr. And since then, he's like the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. It was like five weeks ago. So he you may know. end he may end up finishing exactly where I had him, but I guess so better guy, late I than like never. Too, and, and you know, I don't think he's a volume guy in their offense, but I like I like Foster Moreau. Yeah, I, well, I have to pick my Thursday night special for this game, by the way, on Thursday night. And I'm between Moreau and Matt Collins because, you know, it's always a secondary guy. It's never, oh, Devontae Adams is going to do well tonight. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, I know you don't like to pick, you know, the main guy, but but I, I kind of like Foster Moreau. Yeah, well, the Rams all of a sudden have been giving up a lot of production to uh, tight ends. You know, Bobby Wagner's still there, uh, but I don't know why, but man, they've been okay uh you like Moreau you know he's he's a good player I don't I don't still don't know if he's ideally a tight end one I, I feel like he's been improving over the years but the the right. result and, right and now I would probably agree a, with that John I'm not sure yeah. he's a true tight end one but I yeah. like the player yeah. I think he's a really solid player and I think he's a little more athletic than people might think but he, yeah. he does not quite reach that level I would agree yeah and Matt Collins you see you see I mean he's a factor I mean do you notice him up. Yeah, he shows up. Yeah. You know, that would be the other guy. Uh, well, I still have time to make that decision. I'm going to go watch the tape uh, from last <laughs> week. Uh, when I say tape, I'm going to sit on my couch and stream the game uh, condensed version. So I'm not right, watching. Right, right, right. Yeah, not watching the all uh, 22 here. So, all right. Well, you saw a little Mike White uh, sample size Mike. Well, the sample size increased this past week. I thought he would do very well. He actually did. I mean, he was the seventh best fantasy quarterback last week, but he I, I felt like he regressed maybe. What'd you see there? You know, I, I I liked what I saw from Mike White, and I like what I've seen for two games. And again, I'm not ready to sit here and say, Wow, man, this Mike White's the guy, you know. Yeah, he's just calm. <clears throat> but I will say this, and 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 I thought he, he got off to a little bit of a slow start. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And he made a great throw on an outcut to Wilson late in the first half. That was a big time throw. And mm-hmm. I thought that kind of got him going for the second half. Mm. But I, I will say this to me, what consistently shows up with white is he knows where to go with the ball. He doesn't get stuck in the pocket. You know, you, you rarely yeah. see him drop back and get stuck. Right. Nowhere to throw the ball. Not um, hopeless. If he has to use his legs either. No. So he, as I said, based on route concept versus coverage, he knows where to turn it loose. The ball comes out within the structure of the play concept. Um, He's been pretty accurate. You know, he plays comfortably, you know? Yeah. So it's two games. Obviously he's not a gun, but he made some throws this week that were really good throws. You know, gun is a relative. Yeah. 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 And you know, you don't need a gun. So I've kind of liked what I've seen, and obviously he's going to be the guy. They're not making any changes here because he's playing yeah. at a pretty high level. Um, but I, you know, in some ways, Mike White is making me think about when I go to my quarterback evaluation after the season because he's not a guy you would look at and say, "Wow, man, Mike White, he's a top sixty pick in a draft." Because obviously right. he wasn't. Um, but he was—he's kind of an interesting guy to watch. I mean. It's. I feel like it's an intangible quality because nobody's going to rave about this guy's skill set, obviously. But you, everything you mentioned there is good stuff, you know, like yeah. uh, really good. Um, 
right, and, yeah. and it gets down to the the definition of quarterback traits, which again, I started thinking about that when I saw that Anthony Richardson from the University of Florida, whose tape I studied in detail this past summer, obviously not this year yet, announced he was coming out. And I, everything that was immediately said was this guy has super high level traits. And again, no knock on Anthony Richardson, but it just made me think when people say that, what do they mean? Obviously, the kid's 6'4", 240, and can throw it really hard and, you know, and far, and he can run really fast. You know, are those the traits they mean? Or do we want to talk about quarterbacks with a sense of timing, anticipation, pace, touch, what kind of throw to make in what situation? Yes. Are those the traits that really determine whether a quarterback can play well in the league? And, of course, precise ball location. So it just made me start to think again about – you know, quarterback traits and the value that is ascribed to different traits. Well, if you exclude physical traits for a moment, I, I would, I would look at accuracy, processing, pace, touch, timing, anticipation, as you mentioned there, not throwing fastballs, uh, you know, in the flat, you know, I mean, you know great point. If I said to you, and I love these conversations, why is Joe Burrow a really good quarterback? What would you say? I would say there's no weakness in his game, and he's got an elite brain. I mean, that's a that's a t- hard one because there's so much to like. Right, but the elite brain leads to what? That's I mean, to say he has an elite brain. So what does that mean? So that means if you if you wanted to go further, you'd say probably this, referring to his brain, you'd say that he has a great feel for understanding the defense before the snap of the ball. Okay. Because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to know what you're seeing before the snap. And then he has a great feel for validating after the snap. And then you would say, okay, he has a great sense of timing, anticipation, what kind of throw to make. He's extremely accurate. You'd start talking about traits. Yeah. Wouldn't you not? Can be aggressive, will be aggressive when when it's called for. When it's called for. Probably the last thing you'd say is, man, he has a gun because he doesn't. Right. Yeah, and he's a big guy who moves pretty well with a damn good arm. Yeah, so right. He has a a good arm, but he doesn't have a gun. Right, yeah, right. Right. Right, yeah, exactly. So, well, how many times have we seen it? When, When we start with the cannon like Jamarcus Russell, I know he was very accurate. Uh, but when we start there and we focus on that, it doesn't it tends to not work out seemingly like it's a lot more going on there. Right. Uh, uh, no doubt about it. Um, that's what that's how a guy like Kirk Cousins has had a, a brilliant career, really, when you think about it. I mean, he's not special in, in any one trait. Physical. No, but but if you would go through his traits, you'd probably you'd probably come up with more positive traits than you would think you would. Because initially you think, okay, well, he doesn't have a gun. He's not overly big. He's not fast. He's not a true second reaction player. You'd say all those things, but then you'd get to the fact that he knows where to go with the ball. He knows what kind of throw to make. He knows who the right receiver is versus a particular coverage. His accuracy is pretty consistent. You know, he's an accurate thrower to the football. I mean, yeah, yeah. you'd start to get into those things. Those yep. are traits too. Jared Goff, um, he's got some traits playing Jared well. Goff's We've playing been, well, by the way. 
we've been on, on this for sure. Another good matchup here against Minnesota. I saw somebody else uh, talking about Amon Ra, and they went with a comp, and he, they went Steph Diggs, and I'm like, you know what? I can see it, and he's lining up outside more these days. Yeah, about half. He's been half and half this year. Um, I don't think he's quite as good as Diggs, but I, right. I understand that. Right. Um, right. You know, Goff has been outstanding with the play action pass game this year. And, and I'm talking about conventional play action where he's under center. Right. You know, he's had 130 play action dropbacks this year. A hundred have been under center. So they do that a lot. They max pro with six or seven man protection. They'll play with six offensive linemen at times. And Goff has been outstanding. And that's one of the, you know, that's another uh, rabbit hole that we can go into because, you know, Jared Goff is not seen as the new breed quarterback, obviously. However, when you have a good old line and running game and you're working under center and you're, you know, a veteran, pretty savvy, you can do a lot more stuff than, you know, other the, these other guys in the gun out there running all the time, right? Well, you know what? Look, I think one of the things we'd agree on, and, you know, the reason I love our Wednesday night talks like this is it, they're fantasy-based, but we talk ball, is coaches like consistency. They like to know what what they're going to get from a player, no matter what position, right? I mean, they don't yeah. want a major variance. Yeah, does everybody like the spectacular play? But most coaches would rather have a guy that, hey, snap after snap after snap, I know what I'm going to get. Then I can coach that way because I know it's going to be executed. You know, Goff is kind of one of those guys. Yeah. Goff is a good thrower of the football. He's not spectacular. He's not a second reaction player. He's not going to give you the wow play. But if you protect him and you run a good offensive scheme, which, by the way, this Ben Johnson, the OC for the Lions, yeah. does a really good job. Yeah, man. Um, guys are open. Yeah. You know, guys are then open. Goff, then Goff becomes a very efficient ball distributor. I mean, he's a little bit of a robot, but in, in this case, quarterbacks being robots is kind of good, you know, in some you know, ways. You I've know? had this conversation with people. There's nothing wrong with dropping back and executing the offense. You know, if that right. makes you look like a robot, coaches will take that. Oh, I mean, Peyton Manning probably loved, loved to be called a robot out there. You know, oh, you're yeah. doing the same thing every single time. Great. You know, I'm a robot. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's not to the point where he's a robot, though, because he does seem no, to no, be no, no, changing no. a lot. But he got hurt, um, all yeah, this that. This was an odd game for them. They got down. Their offense had no feel to it. Um, I watched that tape, and I came away going, God, I, that just there was no rhythm to that at all. It was a weird game. It was just one of those, and they played well in recent weeks, so the expectation was higher. But it was just a game that kind of got away from them early, and they could never quite get into their groove. Yeah, well, I did love Christian Kirk, and he he did go over a hundred, so we'll take sure that. I was, I was happy about that one. Uh, Brock Purdy, any thoughts <laughs> on what you saw out of him, and going forward, the offense with Purdy at the helm? Well, we'll, we'll discuss Purdy after they win the Super Bowl. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm um, wondering if they, you know, if Josh Johnson might be someone to help them, but I guess um, Purdy's. I think they would rather have Purdy play. Okay. Um, you know, Purdy, look, in some ways, he's stylistically similar to Garoppolo in some ways. Now, I'm right, not comparing right. him to him, and I don't want people to go, you're crazy. I'm talking about the style of quarterback. The difference is Purdy has much more movement. Purdy is a better athlete. Right. Purdy can make plays outside of structure. But 
I will tell you this, watching the tape, and I, of course I saw a large part of the game on TV as well, as I know you did, it it, it, was, it certainly wasn't too big for him. Well, you know, it reminded me of Bailey Zappi coming in for the uh, Patriots. Like, that's an interesting comparison. But, he, you know, yeah. I, I thought Purdy made some really good throws and good mental plays against a difficult defense to play against yeah. because the Dolphins give you a ton of pressure front looks and do a lot of things from those pressure front looks. And I thought Purdy had a pretty darn good sense of what he was seeing. Yeah, okay. I, I do worry a little bit about the old sample size and maybe oh, a lack of arm strength. John, obviously, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, yeah, well, yeah. hey, this guy's going to be special and the 49ers are just going to roll. I, I'm just saying what the tape showed this week. Hey, how many times have we seen a guy come in, play well, and the next week he's terrible? You know, a young yeah. guy. So I'm not sitting no. here saying all's, all's well in the Bay Area. Right. I'm right. just saying this week's tape showed a quarterback. It wasn't too big for him. He wasn't sure. playing fast. He did see things well. He executed well on some critical third down situations. That's what happened this past week. 100%. No, I totally saw that myself. I made the comparison on television during the action that it reminded me again of Bailey Zappi coming out of nowhere and like it not being too big. Kid showing a lot of scrappiness and all that good stuff. Um, On the other side, did did we see anything uh, of note here with Tua? I mean, it was not the greatest uh, day here for Tua. No, for whatever reason, and I can't answer this question, for whatever reason, Tua seemed, obviously they had the 75-yard touchdown on the first play, which was a bust by the um, uh, defense of the 49ers. But for whatever reason, Tua just seemed to me watching the tape, you know, he's normally a quick twitch guy in the way he plays, but this game he kind of went over over the line a little. He played fast, Hmm. almost right from the start of the game. He just looked a little hurried, and I, I can't tell you why, but he missed some throws he normally makes. And that's why the numbers weren't quite there. I know he threw for a lot of yards, relatively speaking, and he did throw the two touchdowns. But he just didn't look like a comfortable, rhythmic quarterback in this game. Uh, there were there were exceptions, of course. He did make some very good throws. But overall, he it just did not happen for him in this game. And he just missed some some throws he's been making seemingly with ease that were there. He just missed them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not to be overly simplistic, but it feels like their offense has been just dictating and ahead of defenses. And right. this week, that wasn't really the case. And um, and it was just another week to continue my bromance with Fred Warner. Yeah, that guy, I, he had a big play, didn't he? Was it a, a pick? Well, or? he had a pick late in the game, but he made a play early in the game where he was in zone coverage and knocked away a pass that was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, there you go. Oh, and uh, left a a little bit of meat on the bone here because we normally go about 35 minutes, but uh, how brilliant. I didn't even see the notes because you sent so much. I didn't get down to it, but how brilliant was Joe Burrow last week? Yeah, Joe Burrow is pretty good. Um, You know, I I think we know what to expect from Burrow on a pretty regular basis. Oh, yeah, for sure. We have a bad game here and there. Every quarterback does. You know, they're not great every week, but. I just like watching Burrow because I like quarterbacks that are aggressive. He is not low risk or cautious. And and by the way, as he keeps gaining more experience, he's only in his third year. He'll throw less interceptions. You know, he hasn't yeah. thrown that many this year after that. He's score. completely in control. Completely. He's totally in control. Totally in control. Guys was, are stuck. This was, and, and you know what I liked about this game? This was a little different. They didn't push it down the field in this game. This was a patient, methodical game for Burrow. He continually yeah. got sustaining completions. There were a lot of quick rhythm throws that minimized and eliminated the Chiefs' pass rush. So 
Yeah, you know, this was a little bit of a different game, but he can execute any kind of game. Yeah, and this is with uh, Hayden Hurst getting hurt too, so yep. even better. So good stuff. We'll end there. Uh, great addition here, thirty nine minutes worth. And you want to get all the good stuff here? You can still go to fantasypoints.com if you're not already and uh, subscribe for the rest of the year. Um, get the discount Hanson twenty two. And Thursday we'll go over tomorrow night. Uh, we'll go over all the matchups in depth with Greg and Adam Kaplan and yours truly, and uh, hopefully everyone will win and every single lineup decision will be correct. Um, until then, uh, for Greg Cosell, I'm John Hansen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing to the pod and the feed. Give us some good feedback as well. Good luck in week 14. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.